unresting water. There shall never be rest till the last moon droop, and the last tide fail, and the fire of the end begin to burn in the west. And the heart shall be weary, and wonder, and cry like the sea, all life long crying without avail, as the water all night long is crying to me. Author Simons Between me and the other world, there is ever an unasked question, unasked by some through feelings of delicacy, by others through the difficulty of rightly framing it. All, nevertheless, flutter round it. They approach me in a half-hesitant sort of way, I me curiously or compassionately, and then, instead of saying directly, how does it feel to be a problem? They say, I know an excellent colored man in my town, or I fought at Mechanicsville, or do not these southern outrages make your blood boil? At these I smile, or am interested, or reduce the boiling to a simmer, as the occasion may require. To the real question, how does it feel to be a problem? I answer seldom a word. And yet, being a problem is a strange experience, peculiar even for me who has never been anything else, save perhaps in babyhood and in Europe. It is in the early days of rollicking boyhood that the revelation first bursts upon me, all in a day, as it were. I remember well when the shadow swept across me. I was a little thing away up in the hills of New England, where the dark Housatonic winds between Husik and Taconic to the sea. In a wee wooden schoolhouse, something put it into the boys' and girls' heads to buy gorgeous visiting cards, ten cents a package, and exchange. The exchange was merry, till one girl, a tall newcomer, refused my card, refused it peremptorily, with a glance. Then it dawned upon me with a certain suddenness that I was different from the others, or, like mayhap, in heart and life and longing, but shut out from their world by a vast veil. I had thereafter no desire to tear down that veil, to creep through. I held all beyond it in common contempt, and lived above it in a region of blue sky and great wandering shadows. That sky was bluest when I could beat my mates at examination time, or beat them at a foot race, or even beat their stringy heads. Alas, with the years, all this fine contempt began to fade, for the worlds I longed for and all their dazzling opportunities were theirs, not mine. But they should not keep these prizes, I said. Some, all, I would wrest from them. Just how I would do it, I could never decide. By reading law, by healing the sick, by telling the wonderful tales that swam in my head some way. With other black boys, the strife was not so fiercely sunny. Their youth shrunk into tasteless sycophancy, or into silent hatred of the pale world about them, and mocking distrust of everything white, or wasted itself in a bitter cry. Why did God make me an outcast and a stranger in mine own house? The shades of the prison house closed round about us all, 
walls straight and stubborn to the widest, but relentlessly narrow, tall and unscalable to sons of night who must plod darkly on in resignation, or beat unavailing palms against the stone, or steadily, half hopelessly, watch the streak of blue above. After the Egyptian and Indian, the Greek and Roman, the Teuton and Mongolian, the Negro is a sort of seventh son, born with a veil, and gifted with second sight in this American world, a world which yields him no true self-consciousness, but only lets him see himself through the revelation of the other world. It is a peculiar sensation, this double consciousness, this sense of always looking at oneself through the eyes of others, of measuring one's soul by the tape of a world